Coming up this week, off screen. Willie's back in Bad Santa 2. Usain Bolt gets the documentary treatment. Brad Pitt and Marion Cotillard are allied. Adam Driver takes us to Patterson. World of Chess gets a youthful new champion in Magnus. And Rafe Spall sets out to complete Mum's List. All those to come and more, off screen. This is... This is off screen. Off screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Ooh, welcome to Offscreen. I'm Van Connor. I am Case Allen. So, where shall we begin this week, Mr. Allen? Let's begin with the news, and let's begin in a galaxy far, far away, Westeros. Westeros. <laughs> is, is Westeros meant to be our galaxy? Is it meant to be another? I'm almost confused like, about that. Sort of like a Middle Earth thing. It's like Middle yeah, Earth. It's not meant to be like way, way back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So, what, what, what's coming from Westeros then? Well, is West- winter coming? Winter is not coming. There. But some casting news is coming. <laughs> okay, what you got for me then? Um, the Mother of Dragons herself uh, is going to be in the Han Solo Star Wars standalone story. Which still doesn't have a title, does it? It's not it is not. We're just calling it the, the Han Solo. Han yeah. Solo Star Wars Which story. Which is quite long-winded, really. It, come it on, come on Kathy Kennedy, <laughs> give us a title. It's just going to be Castle Run, a Star Wars story. You oh, and I'll I know it. We I'll know it. It's all good. Yeah. Okay, so Amelia Clark then. Yeah, who's, Amelia who's Clark. Daenerys Targaryen. Who's Indeed Mother of Dragons. Indeed she is. Do you, do you know she's got so many names, hasn't she? whole thing, hasn't she? She's got like 16 names. Mother of Dragons, the Italian Stallion, Muscles from Brussels. Austrian Oak. Austrian Oak, all those. <laughs> the, ch- the Chuck from Norris. Yeah, I know the ones, I know the ones. <laughs> yeah, um, she, um, she's not got a character name yet. Well, I'm assuming that she does, but we are not privy to her character name. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she, she's beat some pretty stiff competition. There was uh, uh, Tessa Thompson was in... Oh, in you're a big fan of after Westworld, I, I agree oh, entirely. Right, so. yeah. That show is great. It's that fantastic. show is awesome, isn't let's, it? Let's just wax lyrical about that later in the podcast. Yeah, yeah say that for podcast actually, we can talk about how awesome Westworld is. Yeah, that sounds good. But, uh, yeah, so, so she's in there with uh, Oland Ehrenreich. Yes. Well done. Er- or is it Alden Ehrenreich? <laughs> Alden Ehrenreich is, is, is his I finally name. get it right? Yeah. It's not, it's not Aaron Oldenreich. It's, it's Alden Aaron Ehrenreich. Although I'm sure yeah. that we are going to say that accidentally <laughs> sure. at some point. And, and uh, Donald Glover Donald as Glover. Lando Cavazian. Okay, so Hello. how long before Josh Gad gets cast as young Chewie? Or? Oh, give it time. He's <laughs> he's like time. he's in, in the Mouse House. He, he is. So. He's firmly in Disney's books yeah. now. So. Speaking of which, have you seen the trailer for Beauty and the Beast? Oh, the full one. Yes, I have yeah. now seen it. I feel it. like LeFou is the part that he was born to play. I, I kind of feel that. I'm also really liking uh, the look of Luke Evans as Gaston. I think as am really I. Nice. Although, am I, I'm not yet sold on mm. the beast. Strangely. Are you not? I'm not. I don't quite get it. It doesn't quite work for me, but you know. Yeah, my wife said that he needs more teeth. He needs more teeth. He needs more teeth. I think it needs to be entirely CGI creation with the voice of Michael Dawn. But, uh, <laughs> you just want Michael Dawn to get more work. I do. I, I want Michael Dawn to get all the work. <laughs> yeah. So then, before we start with the reviews then and the, the news, the rest of the news for this week, because as you pointed out to me before we started, there's loads of news this there week. There was 17 pieces. There's now 16 pieces. So we should, we should get the box office top 10, get the first half of that top 10 out of the way this week. Number 10. Stalks. Which is fun, I suppose, in its own little way, but it doesn't really let you get yeah. into that fun. It kind of just wears you down. And It's it's colourful, but not as colourful as Trolls. Yeah, that's it. Trolls is infinitely better. Storks has a great cast, but overcomplicates what's a pretty simplistic Shrek-style road movie plot hmm. by just not being that interesting. And... 
I had kind of a hard time warming to it, if I'm honest. It wore me down over the course of 90 minutes, but I really just wanted to be entertained. Number nine. The girl on the plane. <laughs> on the plane. Well, you had snakes on a plane, now you get girl on a train. Now you got blunt, blunt on a train. Blunt on a train. Well, this because we did have zombies on a train a few weeks back. So. Oh, and I still need to see still that need film. To see it. See still it for the end it. of the year, because I think it will make your top ten of the year list. I saw some of it did make my top of the year list, and I'll talk about that later. Okay, can I just... Mm. Oh, no, I won't ask for a hint. I'll save, I'll save the suspense. Yep. But girl on the train, I liked for the most part, but I think it plays too much too much in a sense of a novel than it does as a film. It's not It's not been adapted properly. That, that's my thing that's, with it. That's it. And Erin Christina Wilson, who uh, gave us Secretary, which is a film I adore, one of my favourite films of all... It's my top 50 of all time, Secretary. You love some James Spader. I, you know what? You show me a film with James Spader, and I'll show you a film I love. With, Age of Ultron. With a couple of exceptions. Age yep. of Ultron, Supernova, because I don't think anyone's ever mm. claiming to enjoy Supernova. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And it just doesn't quite work. I, the performances are great. The story doesn't work. The The... the, the the chronology of it doesn't translate for the screen. It needs mm. to have been redone. Gone Girl worked because it was experimental. This is basically trying to be Gone Girl by not bothering to alter its source material, and I think okay. it suffers for that. Number eight. Oh, you are on point with the buttons today, my friend. <laughs> Did um, you enjoy that? I loved that. Of course. And what's, the, and what's the film? Uh, Nocturnal Animals. Nocturnal Animals. You, you throw me, of course, with your Brett Anderson reference in there. <laughs> well, do you know what? It, it, it's not a good day if you can't throw in a reference to a 90s pop band, 90s indie pop band. So, yeah. were they indie pop, indie rock? I'm never they sure. were kind of like a misunderstood Britpop band. That's true. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure the building in which they filmed the video for uh, Animal Nitrate is the building in which Calvin Prickett used to live. <laughs> No way. I'm pretty sure. That is some trivia. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, um, Nocturnal Animals, which I think is going to appear on a few end-of-year best-of lists. It's got mm. great performances from Amy Adams and Jake Gyllenhaal, but, of course, the big star of it all is Mr. Michael Shannon. Crazy out Shannon. Yeah, king of the quiet intensity. Absolute yeah. king of that quiet intensity. Yeah. That was my Michael Shannon question. <laughs> I thought it was Jeff Goldblum. I'm really honest. No, but... <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I really liked it. It is slick. It is stylish. It has Tom Ford's just glossy veneer to it, but not at the expense of gripping or intriguing. You should hate this film. It should be rubbish. But you know what? It's not. And it looks good, and it plays well, and you gripped, and you're, you're held in just a state of permanent suspense for the entirety of it. Loved it. Big fan. Number seven. <laughs> Street cat named Bob. Apparently, <laughs> it's because you've not heard any of the buttons yet. So no, this, this is, this is this all, is new, all to you. new. It's all a big surprise. Which is the best family film you will ever see about heroin withdrawal? I've got to give it that. I don't know. I've I've got a top five. <laughs> you got <are> top five. <laughs> that's that's a real bizarre credit to give a film. It's the best family yeah. film about heroin withdrawal you've ever seen. <laughs> are you telling me that Train Spotting isn't a family film? No, apparently Train Spotting doesn't particularly work for the under sevens. Some, oh. Something I maybe Transport um, Train Spotting too. <laughs> Did you? A friend of mine made that mistake when the trailer came out the day <laughs> I, the day I dropped you at Manchester Airport. Yeah, he put on Facebook. Oh my god, uh, transporting uh, <laughs> transporting <laughs> two <laughs> trailer looks great. I went. They've done another transporter reboot. Like really? Because there wasn't one. Are enough. you telling me you would not watch a crossover? I would totally watch a crossover in Take which my money. the transporter tackled heroin addiction in Edinburgh. That would—that's oh, yeah. totally a movie I would mm. watch, um, especially if it had Begbie in there starring alongside. You'd have to get Statham back to really get my money. But yeah, yeah. but onto uh, what movie were we even? Street Cat named Street Bob. Cat named Bob, which is 
condescending, patronising bilge, but you know what, it's vaguely charming about it, so I kind of give it a free pass on that level. Number six. The accountants. I was oh, waiting for a button. No button. No no button. button. I'll be honest, even I'd forgotten because I couldn't remember what number six was. We should have had like a number cruncher noise, shouldn't I'm we? I'm pretty sure you could make a button for this. Yeah, well, we'll do that. You num- just have Mr. Spock just saying it's, it's illogical or something. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have number crunching or it doesn't add up next week. How about cool. that? I can't wait. Um, so that's it, because you made the Spock reference yourself, and Ben Affleck plays this autistic hand... Uh, handyman autistic uh, hitman movie autistic handyman movie why do i go with that autistic hitman movie yeah. as if he's spock by way of jason bourne and it works because the movie is i heard something about sorry to just no, go on, you i heard something about this movie go on was it um i didn't realize that this scripts in many different variations and forms had mm-hmm. been bouncing around for years since like the 90s yeah i actually didn't realize that myself to be honest so but, right was i mean someone okay. else being attached at some point yeah Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson was supposed to be the accountant. How did I not know and this? And it was going to be a Coen Brothers production. Oh, wow. Well, some alternate world. Funnily enough, got our big release, one of our big releases of the week does tie into the Coen Brothers. Oh, really? So, yeah, we have got that to discuss. But yeah, I liked the account because it is goofy about it. It's goofy yeah. and glossy it, and gorgeous. It knows, it. It's it, quite knows yeah, yeah. it knows it's goofy. And it just kind of has fun with it. And you've got Anna Kendrick as that almost requisite late 80s style, you know, bystander slash love interest slash helpless mm. girl figure. And you do kind of look at her in one sense and think, it's 2016, are we really still doing this? But then you think, I'm kind of enjoying myself so much, I don't care, and Affleck's doing his Spock routine, so it, it, it's all good. I'm good with it. I'm fine. I'm fine with that thing. You've not seen this yet, have you? No, not yet. It's, uh, it is on my list, but I'm not going to rush out. You're not going to rush out? No, that's, that's, that's fair. Um, I mean, did you like Haywire? Was that, was that a film you I like? did, yeah. I, I paid actual cash money to see that as well. A- actual cash money? Yeah. That, that's a really specific way of saying that. <laughs> You refer to it as hand money. <laughs> I do. Thank you to AbFab for that, because, well, was the thing, I don't believe in actual phys- carrying actual physical money around with me, because, you know, as, as we got told in the Princess Diaries, princesses don't jingle. Some people so... don't believe in the divine presence of the lords. <laughs> Others don't believe in money. <laughs> so I, I, I go everywhere with Apple Pay, yeah. and, and that's it. And if I have to use my card, or actual bit of change or note then i refer to that as hand money because that's what joanna lumley tells us it's called in abfab mm. the movie so in other words something good did actually come from abfab the movie there you go that is that is your insight into the inner workings of the twisted dystopia that is my mindset because i've, all, I've always wondered you've always wondered what is it is it like rothram inside your mind <laughs> i don't think so no it's, it's it's more like i am legend where there's just an enormous cityscape that's decayed and it's abandoned just, it's just you and your dog lola <laughs> exactly yeah lola and i in i am legend that, that would totally work. But uh, so um, let's plug the podcast edition real quick this let's week. Do it. Yeah. Um, so you can get the extended version of this show uh, if you pop on to uh, onscreenfilm.com or go on ACAST, Deezer, iTunes, TuneIn FM, loads of podcast apps. Just, just pick your podcast app of choice, go in there, type off screen, and you will be able to get the extended version of this show with all the reviews we can't fit into the radio edits. And of course, our signature moment of cage, which I know is why you get out of bed in the morning, guys. Nicholas Cage is the reason I get that bad. I'm literally wearing a Nicholas Cage t-shirt right now. Are you really? Just underneath this jumper. Oh, okay. I'm going to actually show me on the break. Okay. I, I'm, I'm terrified. It's going to, it's I'm going to get honest. a little bit hot and steamy. Um, in the meanwhile, there's a lot of competitions to plug this week. So, yes. We have something quite exciting. We've got something very exciting. We've I will, got, I will leave it to you. Sir. Okay. We've got bad Santa two goodies to give away. Oh my god. And goodness. these are, these are oh awesome Christmas swag packs. And you get, of course, the, <laughs> the bad Santa two Santa hat. You get a Santa hoodie. You get a hip flask because it's bad Santa too. So there has to be drinking involved. It's got to be drinking you, involved. You get a, a door sign, which I think says come back at Christmas. <laughs> and. 
because it's bad Santa, there's Christmas ornaments in there. Unlike the film Wonderful. itself, it they're dark as hell. They are jet black. <laughs> so pop onto onscreenfilm.com, go in the competition section, and just enter your details. Take a chance. You may win some swag. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back. So where should we go next, Mr. Allen? We've got Allied to review. Do you want to start with that? Do you want to give me some film news first? I'm going to give you a few little tidbits. Give me something real quick. We'll do Allied and we can do more. Go on. Okay, I've got some casting news about a project that I'm pretty excited about because I like these two guys. Okay. Um, The film is Holmes and Watson. The stars are Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, who, of course, worked together a few times previous. They Um, did uh, Talladega Nights together. They did Step Brothers together. Probably a few others that are just escaping me right now. Well, I think those are the two where they've actually starred together. I think the other times they've made like cameos together or they've appeared in each yeah. other's films they are undoubtedly friends oh quite clearly absolutely i, I would say they're totes bffs yeah totes my goats totes my goats which i think must be a line from one of their movies actually it's from i love you man is it from which i love you man? Man? Okay. indeed involved but anyway i do digress um so yeah some uh, brand new uh, casting additions rob bryden Oh yes, yeah, I was right. Yeah, he's isn't he going to be Inspector Lestrade, Lestrade, who is always my always like my favorite character in any iteration of does Sherlock Holmes. Does that include Sherlock? Is he your yes, favorite in Sherlock? Absolutely. Isn't he played by Sean Pertwee in uh, Elementary? Uh, I've, sure. I've actually not seen Elementary. Have you not seen Elementary? I've no. seen bits. I've heard of it. it's all right. I'll be really honest. I kind of skipped ahead to just watch Natalie Dormer as. Uh, Irene Adler, and that was about it. Well, that's fine. Nobody's going to judge you there. No. Um, there's also going to be uh, Rebecca Hall. Oh, okay. I think, yeah. I think we're both quite like. I like and um, uh, Kelly McDonald as well. No, I know this one. Isn't Kelly McDonald going to be Mrs. Hudson? She is indeed. And which Rebe- I think is fantastic casting. That, that works for me. And I'm not entirely sure who Rebecca Hall is going to be. Maybe, what's the name of the femme fatale character? Oh, no, you think of know. Irene Adler. No, she's not. She's going to be, she's a new character who's going to be the first woman doctor in London. Oh, that's great. I did read that. That's, that's cool. Her, so I'd imagine she's related to the plot more than the, I would assume so, more than yeah. the Sherlock Holmes so. element of it. But um, it's going to be uh, written and uh, brought to screen by uh, by Eton Cohen, who I always want to call Ethan Cohen. Is it Eton Cohen or Eton Cohen? I can never remember this. I'm, sa- I'm saying... I'd say oh, ma- Maybe it is Eton. Oh, is it Eton? Eton? I don't Let's know. Let's call him Eton for now until he calls me and says, Oi, <laughs> Case. You get him my name wrong. Oi, Case. <laughs> no! no. <laughs> yeah, um, so that's... that's, that's I definitely need uh, I'm looking it forward to that. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So let's talk about Allied real quick then. Because yeah, because I was looking forward to I this know you a were. long so, time ago. This comes to us from uh, director Robert Zemeckis, who uh, he's made a film here or two, here and there, of the years. You know, you might have heard of him, possibly. Might have heard of him, yeah. Or his, it's entirely his career, possible... His career may be just starting to take flight. Yeah, yeah, entirely. But I think it's entirely possible he has directed at least one of your favourite ever films at some point Def- I don't mean you specifically Def- Def- I, mean, becomes her. I mean everyone ever he's probably directed everyone one of everyone's favourite films was that him I believe that's him yeah. alright okay I remember none of his films before Back to the Future so Back to- see how weird is it that the first thing I thought of was romancing Stone and Death Comes Her. Didn't even think about Back to the Future. Well, who framed Roger Rabbit? That was him as well. Of course, yeah. Castaway is him. Castaway. He's been around. And of course, we all know his magnum opus, uh, What Lies Beneath. I so, was going to say Beowulf. Uh, Be- yeah. Be- oh, yeah, he did Beowulf, didn't he? There we are. He's that kind of filmmaker. And, and the Polar Express. I remember. Yeah. yeah. So that's his entire filmography, pretty that's much. That's his entire filmography. This ever. is his new film, Allied. This is his new film uh, from him and uh, uh, writer Stephen Locke, who gave us. 
uh, what was he called a couple of years ago? Uh, Stephen Knight, who gave us gave Locke. Us Locke. Yeah. Sorry. I Stephen thought that's Locke gave us Knight. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Knight gave us Locke, which he also directed in that case, but he was just writing. And this unites uh, Brad Pitt and Marianne Cotillard. They are a pair of resistance fighters in World War Two. She is a French resistance fighter. He is a Canadian wing commander. And the movie literally opens with him parachuting into Casablanca. You don't so see you, many Canadian spies. Y- you don't. You don't. But when you've got a movie set in 1942 Casablanca, you damn well open it with Brad Pitt parachuting in. That's how you <laughs> begin a film. He he, uh, he lands and he meets the, the woman he is assigned a, an assassination mission with, who is, of course, Marion Cotillard. Their job is to assassinate a covert assassination of the German ambassador to Casablanca, which, of course, they do in this spectacular action sequence at the embassy. And the pair then fall in love. They uh, have a whirlwind romance. They decide once the mission is complete, they're going to get married, settle down, and move to London. At which point, Brad Pitt is pulled aside and told by V-section, basically the MI5 of the mm. day, as it were, that uh, there is evidence to suggest his wife is in fact a spy. In which case, three guesses whose problem that's going to be. Here's a clip. My wife is not a spy. If she is, we need to keep her in place for 72 hours so that we can identify her handler and clean out the rest of her circuit. No. If it is proven that your wife is a spy, Routine procedures in cases of intimate betrayal will apply. You will execute her with your own hand, and if we discover that you are an accomplice in any way, you will be hanged for high treason, Wing Commander Vatan, do you understand? So, yeah, basically, this is all going to land at Brad's doorstep. So, it should be good. It should be good, right. This I is really, the thing. really like that promise. Everything about this film works on paper. It just signifies something amazing. So, let's go Let's go through the numbers with what's great, what should be great about it. So, you've got, Rob, got Robert Zemeckis there. Yeah. Now, in terms of, you know... Bobby Z. Yeah, in terms of Hollywood directors, you do not get a better pedigree than Bob Zemeckis. Mm. Other than getting Spielberg himself, Bob Zemeckis is who you call when Spielberg's busy. Well, he was... Sort of like a Spielberg protege. He was, wasn't he? They they came up together, didn't they? Absolutely, yeah. And then you've got Stephen Knight. And let's be honest, that man can write. You've got Alan Silvestri on the score. Did you hear the score in there? I did. That wonderful, lavish score. You've got Brad Pitt and Marianne Cotillard. There's lots of good names now. Really good support. Jared Harris, I heard that. Jared Harris, you heard that. What's the guy? The guy you heard from from Theory of Everything. He is. And one episode of the IT crowd. Well, actually, he is the, uh, the head of MI6 in Mission Impossible, if you remember. Yes. Do you remember the guy who yeah, tried to... Yeah. yeah, the one at the very end. Right. Is it Simon McBurney? Quite possibly. I, I don't quite remember. It is. Right, but here's the problem with it. For one thing, it's a film of two halves. So you've got, as I described it, you've got the first half in which they meet, they fall in love with the assassin of the German ambassador, and that's like an old-timey, you know, wartime romantic adventure. And it's great. It's great for that. And then you've got the other half, which is the, your wife is a spy, <laughs> you must, you know, discover the truth kind of thing. Yeah. And... 
somehow, that second half somehow just never manages to latch on. It's never interesting. You look at it and just think, why, why yeah. do I not care about this? That's a half that should work to me. Well, exactly. Yeah. It's totally imbalanced. And Brad Pitt and Marion Cotillard are really trying. And in the case of Marion Cotillard, she gets sidelined more or less entirely and pops up only to deliver these brilliantly gauged moments of, I'm going to leave you in suspense if I'm a bad guy <laughs> or a good. But you don't know yet. But you don't know. And they obviously they do have to do the grand reveal and everything. But it's, it's one of those films that's so poorly put together, so badly conceived, that only at the very end of it, once the film is over do you come out and you start to think actually his investigation really didn't consist of an awful lot it's an interesting experiment when you see the film and i know you will eventually see it case when you do eventually see the film when it's over just consider for a moment what brad pitt has actually done in this investigation to determine whether or not his wife is a spy and the lack of anything will astound you it is hang on why why have i been sat here for two hours and he's not actually done anything Mm. It, it, it's really, really weird about it. Um, but, you know, there's some flair in there from Silvestri and, and Zemeckis, and it looks, it's a gorgeous-looking film. Of course. Stunning-looking film. It doesn't film. make bad-looking films. But it is a hell of a It's a film of two halves, and the first half is infinitely better than the second. However, the first half is so good that it might actually, there's a good chance it will it, buy enough goodwill with you to carry you through to the end of the film. You may actually come out of it thinking, actually, it was pretty good, even though you didn't like the second half. So, yeah, take it away. What you got for me in the news now, real quick? I got some news about the directors of John Wick, the first John Wick. <laughs> the first John Wick. Are because they not the director of the second? One is. Oh, I one believe is. that uh, Chad uh, Stahelski is the director. Stahelski, I think, I think yeah. Um, he is the director of John Wick number two. Hmm. Possibly not number three, because he has another job. Oh, I heard about this. Because they've both got new jobs, haven't they? They have, and I'll be getting to that in a second okay. as well. In fact, shall I do this one, and I'll talk about the other director okay, go, in go another for segment. It. So, okay, so, you boy Chad. Your boy Chad? There can only be one. Oh, yes. Or in this case, there could be one, some sequels, and a remake. <laughs> sequels, <laughs> Yeah. So, Which, he's, he's going to be doing the Highlander reboot. The Highlander. Do you remember when Ryan Reynolds was briefly attached to this at one point? <laughs> yeah, which is bizarre, to considering which what think- has happened now. Well, you do kind of think briefly, like, oh, you know, oh, Ryan Reynolds, he'll never make a good Scotsman. But then you remember, we, this is a franchise that started off with a Frenchman playing a Scotsman. Yeah, and, and also another Scotsman was, playing an Egyptian. So Who was uh, Sean Connery playing as well. Yeah, exactly. He was he was an Egyptian. So. Yeah, so nationality, you know, it, it kind of holds up no, no, no it, sort of boundaries. Yeah, it doesn't it's, work in the Highlanders. That's interesting, though. It is interesting. And it he's is. got pretty good, like, visual flair, and that's good. I'm happy about that. Okay, so let's move on then to a film with no visual flair. So this is uh, Mum's List. Mum's List. Tell me about it, because <laughs> right. I know absolutely mum about it. Right, so Mum's List comes to us from the writer-director of Keeping Mum, uh, Niall Johnson, who apparently just has the thing about doing movies to do with mums, uh, which is particularly mawkish in this case, because this is based on St. John Smith's... Uh, St. John Green, sorry. Uh, St. John Smith is one of Bond's aliases. Yes, sorry. it is. St. John Smythe is Smythe. one of Bond's aliases. Interview to a kill. How nerdy am I that I know that? <laughs> That's deep cuts. That, is that really is. So, um, St. John Green um, and the, he has written this book. It was an ode to his, his late wife, Kate, and is about his relationship with Kate. And he's now fictionalised for the screen. Uh, he is played by Rafe Small. She is played by Good Amelia actor. Fox. Good actress. Good actress. Good actor. I know. It's right, isn't it? Well, wait until you see the film itself, because this is the story all about how uh, she is diagnosed with... I, I went Fresh Prince there, didn't I? I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. Oh. All about her. <laughs> right, okay, so Amelia Fox's character, Kate, um, at the beginning of the film, has uh, recently passed from cancer. 
in in the wake of her death, he has a series of notes that she has left him, uh, and they are basically instructions on how to move on with your life and, you know, how to raise the kids in her absence, etc. You also have two parallel timelines with this. You have the story of how they met and fell in love as teenagers and the story of how she was diagnosed with cancer in the first place and had the battle with all the treatment. Uh, we have a clip. She'd write things down on post-it notes and little scraps of paper and stuff. Like a written version of her. Kiss the boys two times after I've gone. Celebrate birthdays big time. And take lots of pictures of my beautiful boys. Every morning is the beginning of the rest of your life. It's Mother's Day and we're going to celebrate it every year because it's a very special day for us. Please keep using the phrase acres and acres. I love that. Uh, really crappy compilation albums you see released around Mother's Day. Uh, they mm. come they come in a box of about three CDs, and they're called something like "Music for Mum." And there's like six songs by Ronan Keating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's always like six songs by Ronan Keating. There's three by James Morrison. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of James Blunt ones on there for good measure. And for some reason, they like to remind us that Daniel Powter existed. Um, it's just one of those things. <laughs> and they do this every year. We get them. This is a film that somehow missed the boat. It should have been out six months ago for Mother's Day, and it stands as the cinematic representation of that compilation album. Mm. Now, imagine if that compilation album could somehow be summed up by the image of Rafe Spall stood stood staring off of a cliff. And you've basically got this film, because so much of it seems to involve Rafe Spall standing around staring off a cliff. And to the extent that you almost feel like, at some point, they presumably hired another writer to come in and give the script a polish and make it half-decent, but before he could get through the door and, and access Final Draft, someone had already accidentally mistaken him for one of the location scouts and sent him out to look for more cliffs to stare at. It's really, really bad. It is bad to a degree that you, you cannot fathom for the life of me how... This is based on a sort of beloved little, little book. It's, 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 it's one of those books that makes, makes the sofa of this morning, if you know what I mean. Mm. You know, like Phil and Holly have had this interview at some point, and I'm sure I've seen pictures of them that they actually have. Um, it's nauseating, it's poorly written, it is shot to look entirely like a Cornish postcard, which is fitting because there's a horrible West Country accent on absolutely everyone. Rafe Spall seems to think his performance is determined entirely by keeping his voice below a certain, certain level of octaves, and basically being able to cry on cue and Amelia Fox is stood in the middle of all of this delivering actually quite a good performance but weighed down by just the soggy heft of everything else around her it's awful it is je- it's one of those films that you sit and think if this was a tr- this is obviously a tribute to an actual physical woman who has existed and in some ways it's actually so poor it's actually so badly put together it's so condescending it is so saccharine to the extent it might actually give you type 2 diabetes it is just awful and you think this is actually i i wouldn't leave this as a tribute to anyone this is terrible i feel i feel genuinely bad for the poor family that have had to watch this as a tribute to their mum that's that's how you sound personally affronted by. I this. was genuinely. I mean, I was I was told by Nigel Andrews that it was excruciation. Yeah, he said it's just excruciation. Prepare yourself. And you know what? I really wish I'd listened to him. I I, I really do. With the latest film news and reviews, this is off screen. And we're back. So where shall we go now, Mister Elm? Well, what time of year is it, Van? Well, it is coming up to Thanksgiving. 
Yeah. Yeah. Do we? Oh, oh we don't do Thanksgiving, do we? Sorry. Uh, we do something else. We and do something else. Other parts of will do it as well. We oh, do. We're not Christmas. Brexiting again. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. We're Christmas no, we're Christmas don't, don't even talk about the B word. <laughs> okay. Unless that B word is bad Santa too. Bad Santa too. Well, I can get on board. It's not bad one Santa of my two. best segues. I'll be honest. Well, the thing is, though, I've been looking forward to bad Santa too for twelve years. I know so you, you know what a fan of bad Santa I am because you every every Christmas it. we get together and watch bad Santa. We, and we've seen a couple of times. Yeah. We watch bad Santa and we watch a very Howl and Kumar three D. Christmas in 3D. Those are our two alternative <laughs> Christmas films every year. It's a pretty good double bill. It is really. a good double bill. Um, so Bad Santa 2 is here. Willie Smoke is back. Billy Bob Thornton as the titular Bad Santa. Tony Cox is back as his elf assistant. Uh, and this time, oh, we, they've even got Brett Kelly back. You know, the kid from the first oh, one. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. He's back. He's now an adult, and he still right. behaves exactly the same way. He hasn't grown up or anything like that. He's still exactly the same character. Uh, but you've got a new addition to the cast this time. In fact, you've got a couple. First of all, first of all, you've got the added value element of Kathy Bates as his mum, Sunny Smoke. I love Kathy Bates. And do you know what? She's hands down the best thing about the film. She's absolutely yeah, excellent. I am not surprised by that. And then you've got Christina Hendricks, who is the who sort is lovely. of part Mark, part love interest in this one. So oh, okay, are... so she kind of fills the void of Lauren Graham from the first Exactly. Um, so what you've got this time around is Willie is brought back from a life of you know relative obscurity. He's still in Phoenix, Arizona, where the first movie took place. Um, he's just resigned himself to a life of drinking and aggressive sex and yeah, I don't know what you of kind of term. expected from yeah. him he, yeah. and he's dragged back by a returning Marcus his assistant who says look we've got a great job you're going to get two mil all you got to do is help me rob this charity what he doesn't tell them of course is their new employer is none other than Sonny Smoke <laughs> Amazing. Who, whom he has something of an antagonistic relationship with here's a clip what can I do for you will you be able to find me at my grandma's house in Grand Rapids because no one's going to be at our Chicago house for two weeks Oh, yeah, don't worry, I'll find you. But hey, do Sandy a favor, will you? The only address of where you're not going to be? Write it down on a piece of paper and bring it back to Sandy, will you? All right, honey, good girl. What do you want? I want Minecraft, Halo 5 Guardians, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Project X Soon 2, Assassin's Creed Chronicles Trilogy. Yeah, that's great, that's great. I, I don't know. Call of Duty Black Ops I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what that is. You could be speaking Swahili and I wouldn't know any better. Grand Theft Auto 5. No, nah, I don't care. Have a seat. What can Santa Claus get you? A penguin. It doesn't have to be alive. So he's not changed. He's not changed he? at all. He's not skipped to beat. And to be fair, the film has managed to re- has managed to keep the character absolutely where he's supposed to be. The problem with the film is, first of all, it it's not evolved in any way. As far as comedy sequels go, the high, you, there are high bars and low bars in in this demographic. So you look at something, for instance, like Twenty Two Jump Street, which you know in recent years that's a comedy that took everything everyone liked about the first movie and decided to let's evolve and explore why they like it. So as a result, you get. Uh, uh, 22 Jump Street being a lot more satirical than the first one. And the other end of the spectrum, you have something like Ted 2, which goes the other way to what everyone liked about the first Ted and just goes sketch-based with it, and it doesn't work as a result. It's faintly funny, but it doesn't quite work. This is closer to Ted 2. Ted 2 or Horrible Bosses 2, say, which is to say perfectly enjoyable, but not really pushing the boat out creatively. Now, Kathy Bates 
absolutely owns the show. Now, I don't think anyone's going to debate that. It's fun to see Billy Bob Thornton back, and the interplay between him and uh, Tony Cox, it's there. It's back, and it's as enjoyable as it ever was. The problem really is, first of all, it's too cartoonish, because you've not moved on from a film that was 12 years ago. You've kind of just kept it going. It's gotten a little dafter in the process. Maybe that's a passage of time thing. But rather than going a little bit more biting, and it's lost a lot of the edge of the first one. And into this mix as well, there is there are issues. First of all, Brett Kelly as the kid, Thurman, a.k.a. Thurman Merman, um, who they've not skipped a beat with that character either. They've kept him exactly the same. And the problem is, what works for a, you know eight or ten-year-old boy doesn't quite work when you try to make an adult incarnation of it. He kind of comes across as what you imagine a human version of Chris Griffin would play like, mm. only dumber, because there's no sense of self-awareness, and it really just doesn't work. It comes across as quite unlikable, and the whole thing in the first movie was actually, the kid was strangely likable, even though he was a complete oddball. And then, of course, there's Christina Hendricks, and this is where they've the casting kind of backfires in one sense, because there is something incredibly unsettling about seeing a woman who, for the better part of a decade now, has been held up as the body confidence icon for plus-size women. And to then see her in a role where she basically plays the romantic and sexual foil to a character whose entire dynamic hinges on, let's just say, predilections for certain activities with obese women is a little bit uh, a little bit raw and a little bit on the mark and I think kind of miscast in that sense. I don't think they've really considered what they're saying with it and I don't think she seems to have gotten it when she signed on either. In the end, you do enjoy it. You will laugh. But when you stop and just look at it in hindsight, actually the story really wasn't all that interesting. Your villains aren't def- aren't particularly defined. Uh, the, the the villain's foil, which was Bernie Mac last time, and by the way, mad props and respect to John Ritter and Bernie Mac. You missed, fellas. You missed. Um, because that was the thing, because obviously the two antagonists in the last movie died. No, no longer with us. Well, they were yeah. dead within three years of the movie opening, weren't they? I believe so. I, jo- John, John, Ritter, John, Ritter. John Ritter bought it before the movie even exactly. opened. Exactly, I was just about to say that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and the villains just don't hold a candle, and it really... That's it, a shame. I think, I think so. Big, big tribute to the pair of those, though. They apparently mm. can't be replaced. But that's the thing. If, if, like me, you adored the first movie, you're not particularly going to with the sequel. But it's not too bad. It's, it's just, not too it's bad. It's enjoyable. It's enjoyable, you'll but... Watch it, you'll probably check it out at Christmas. As far... Do, do yeah. you know what I would compare it to? I would compare it to something like... Oh, and I'm not going to say uh, Fred Claus, because that was awful. But I will think of an above-average Christmas comedy for adults. I will think of one. Don't worry. Night before? Night before. It's the night yeah. before. There you go. Perfect example. It's are. a lot like the night before. There you go. It's about that level of quality. So give me some news then before we finish the top ten. I've got some news that made me howl like... A banshee? Like a banshee. <laughs> or maybe maybe a panther. Maybe a panther. What Ooh. you go? Ooh, we got, we got. Okay, so Angela Bassett is going to be Black Panther's mum. And we predicted this news. We did, didn't we? When Forrest Whitaker got cast, I think, I, I, was it you or me that said, I'm probably you, that said uh, how long before someone calls up Angela Massett? Yep. And you know what? Apparently it's about happened. a month. About a month is the answer yeah. to that question. Well, seeing as though we, uh, we do actually live in Kevin Feige's pocket, don't we? So I think that, <laughs> that's I think why. he just listens to yeah, all of it. my little That's it. I mean, I take it he hasn't cancelled your direct debit yet either. Cause not yet. Because it's the direct debit we not get yet. to slate DC movies, apparently. Absolutely. According yeah. to the internet. Although not as badly as some people do. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, it's true, true. Oh, I, yeah. I showed you Movie Bob earlier, that's what it is. Yeah, well, he, he's someone, isn't he? He's, yeah. he's, he's certainly someone. But yeah, I that is great casting. Is this, she Ramonda? Ramonda is Ramonda her name. Is her yeah, name. The Black be, Panther's mum. Wow. Mum of, of Black Panther. 
Yeah, I'm, just, I'm looking great. forward to this. That cast is fantastic. It really it's, is. Isn't um, it? So we got uh, potentially Andy Serkis. He's the only one that's kind of a question mark because, of mm. course, he is in um, the Age of the Ultrons. He is. I'm he waiting is for confirmation on Martin Freeman as well as uh, Everett. Well, according to Everett? IMDb, he is. Yeah, um, uh, Everett K. Ross. Is Everett K. Ross. That's he it. He is indeed confirmed. He's and, confirmed um, apparently. Yeah, oh, okay. apparently according to his IMDb, he's not not rumored or anything. But okay. I, I, I thought it was just like a foregone conclusion. But he would mm. be there to be honest. Yeah, he's, he's kind of like an envoy. to he is. Wakanda. He's a diplomatic envoy. Yeah, uh, Forrest Whitaker, uh, Blue Peter Nyong'o. All right. Yeah. Is it Daniel... Who's Daniel Kai... I can never remember his surname. Ka- Kayasa or Kayasumba, I think his name is. Daniel... Uh, Daniel... Wakabi is his character name. He's he's going to be like... But I love kind him. of like a, I like know a mentee. I know him. And to... Psychoville. And Sicario. He and, is going to uh, be in a film that I'm really looking forward to. What's that? By Jordan Peele. Um, oh, uh, Get Out. Get Out. Oh, I'm yeah. looking forward that to that. That looks so good. It does, it's doesn't so, it? It's like a racial horror film. It is. That looks incredible. Let's finish the top ten then real quick. Let's do it. Number five. Doctor Strange. Which is enjoyable and a lot of fun and visually amazing and well-performed, well-directed, well-scored as well. Best score of any Marvel film mm-hmm. to date. Um, my Best big, cast. Best cast. Okay. I think my biggest problem with it was that it felt a little bit requisite after, for instance, the after the origin story wave of the last phase, because we've not had many recently. Mm. But, I mean, you can't really fault that. That's not its fault. It has to be an origin yeah, story. Yeah, with a character who is that dense yeah, and just has a lot of kind of sort of mythos around him. Mm. I, you, you need a backstory. You do, you do. you need that kind of backstory. So, I'm fine with that. Number four. We have an event cinema. Um, Andre Rio's Christmas Concert 2016, which made all of the grey money. Well... None of us saw it because it wasn't press shown, and really, does it need reviewing? Number three. In the dungeon! <laughs> Trolls, which is fun and colourful and sugary and light and sweet, and it'll wear you down, and you'll be singing that Justin Timberlake and a Kendrick song all the way home. And, yeah, take the kids, they'll love it, they'll enjoy it. Number two. Arrival. Which I love. This is high-concept, cerebral science fiction. It is a perfectly staged drama that manages to combine contact, manages to combine sphere, and and I really... Uh, contact, incidentally, Bob Zemeckis' movie, wasn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Do you know what else we didn't say about Bob Zemeckis? What, what film? What film? Forrest Gump. Okay, yeah, yeah. That, that was that little, that was, that little, oh, that little indie film no one's heard of. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I really loved it. I thought it had great performances. Uh, and also Forrest Whitaker in there. Always, always happy to see Forrest mm. Whitaker. Number one. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. You find them in New York, apparently. Yeah, well, you've seen yeah. it now, so give me your 30 seconds. Okay, my 30 seconds is thus. I like it. Um... Pros about it. Um, I actually like Colin Farrell. But when was the last time you got to say that? Um, probably when I saw In Bruges. <laughs> Although you you know where his character's going because there's not much of him with yeah. a character, so mm. you kind of you kind of know. But I feel like he does the best of with what he can with the material. I'll go with that. And yeah. you know what? I like. I do like Eddie Redmayne for the most part, but I don't like his character. I want more about him, and I know we're probably saving that for the next four films or whatever, but I think that's the reason why we connect with Harry so much. We know a lot about him before mm. he goes off to Hogwarts. We kind of, we, we feel for the character and we don't really have that with new. Favourite thing about it, Dan Fogler. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back and dancing. So where should we go now, Mr. Allen? Let's go visit Patterson, Patterson. which is a place and also a man. A place really. and a man. Yeah. 
And this is the latest from Jim Jarmusch, who last week brought us a documentary about the Stooges. Yeah, give me danger. Yeah, and this week he's bringing us the story of a bus driver played by Adam Driver. So, <laughs> I feel like... That is that was... why he was cast? I, I mean, he's a fantastic know. actor, but I really hope that's why he was cast. Well, this is the, this is a film that I think you'd love, because it has more of your uh, your sentiment than mine. I, there we uh, go. There's the stereotyping again. I know, I can't help myself. I'm so sorry. But, okay, so this, this, is, racist, the, man. this is the story of a New Jersey-based bus driver. Patterson, New Jersey is his hometown his name is Patterson I don't I don't know if he's given that's his first name or last name I can't remember but uh, he's a bus driver who likes to uh, listen to he's basically people watchers as he's driving but he's not people watching he's people listening he's listening to the conversations that he hears on his bus every day and along the way he's he's writing poems as he goes and he writes them all in a book and basically settle into this routine where he likes to drive his bus every day and then he finishes work and he walks his dog all the way round to the local bar where he sits and he has a single drink and with his friend the bartender who's played by Barry Shabaka Henley. Remember mm. from, uh, well, everything ever, really, Barry Shabaka Henley. Yes. Great actor. Loved him in Miami Vice. Loved everything about Miami Vice. Except for Michael Mann. The Michael Mann one, yeah. I'm a big fan of that film. I don't, I don't apologise for You're that. in a very slim group. Then, I know I am. But uh, <laughs> we all wanted something a bit more lethal weapony, but never mind. Um, so... Into this mix as well comes a motivation from his wife to do something more with his poetry. And what you get is a lot of soul-searching, in which he recently determines... He starts to wander around and think about what it is that makes up his poetry, where he can go with it, and, well, we have a clip that kind of sums it all up. Another one. When you're a child, you learn there are three dimensions. Height, width, and depth like a shoebox. Then later you hear there's a fourth dimension, time. Hmm. Then some say there can be five, six, seven. I knock off work, have a beer at the bar. I look down at the glass and feel glad. So I think you get the rough idea of what we're talking about. I mean, because Jim Jim Darmouche is kind of one of the original art house directors, really. I mean, supposedly he's an indie director, but I disagree. I've always found him more of an art house fiend than anything else. If you've ever seen a film called Dead Man. Yeah, the Johnny Depp one. You're right, man. I like that film a lot, well, I've I've always kind of had trouble with Jim Jarmusch, to be honest. Um, was it Romance and Cigarettes? Was that his as well? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. I've always had trouble with Jim Jarmusch. I've never quite gotten it. I've never quite warmed to the whole aesthetic of it. I will say this. First of all, Adam Driver is great in this. But as you pointed out before we even started reviewing it, Adam Driver is a great actor. Mm. And we know this from the small roles we've seen. I mean, even in Star Wars. Even in yeah. Star Wars, he outacted everyone in there. Because he's Adam Driver. Adam Driver makes girls tolerable to watch. I don't mean the actual species of girls. I mean the the actual series, the series, the TV show girls. It's just you on the bus with Patterson watching girls. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but no, I like Adam Driver very much. And there's a great sporting cast in there. Barry Shabaka Henley, I quite like. Um, I'm trying to th- I don't know the name of the actor. He plays Cheedy in The Good Place. You know who I mean? Yes. Yeah, Cheedy oh, in The Good Place, who's got a great, great. Little role in there. Um, I did like it very much. Um, I'd like the performances, sorry, very much. I didn't quite warm to the film, though, because it felt kind of aimless to me. It felt kind of disembodied in a strange way. It didn't quite have the gravitas that I think it believes that it itself does. It 
it's one of those films that you come away afterwards and you notice that certain art houseier critics will tell you, oh my God, it was amazing. You're like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, stop whatever you're smoking. But uh, yeah, it didn't quite warm for me in that way. And do you know what? I tell you what, we, 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 can, we can do a little Simpsons reference because we never get to do that. Oh, always do a Simpsons Because reference. there is a Simpsons moment featuring Jim Jarmusch, and this perfectly for me sums up Jim Jarmusch and his body of work. Who are you? I try to answer that question in my films. What else? I can eat a raw onion without crying. Prove it, Hollywood! Oh. <laughs> uh, you're crying. Yeah, but I'm crying about something else. What? This is the last time we'll ever be together. Oh, <laughs> that really does sum it up. That really does sum up Jim Jarmusch. That's doesn't a good it? episode. We go to Sundance. That's that's that the Charmskin episode. That's the one Charmskin. where they go- Charmskin. Charmskin. Yeah, that's where they go to Sundance. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's the thing. I just I I, I maybe if I missed the boat entirely on the Jim Jarmusch thing, I didn't quite get it. I didn't get why he did Gimme Danger last week because it just doesn't make any particular real sense to me. Mm. But uh, so it's not the film of the week. It's not the film of the week. Uh, in terms, I'll be honest. I'm a little bit stumped with the film yeah. film of the week thing. Um, the first half of Allied is terrific. I think that kind of qualifies a film of the week. Based you can't on have it. half a film of the week. That's it, not a thing. That's what you're getting. You're getting half a film of the week for Allied for the first half of it, and yeah. you're getting another half of, of of the film of the week for Bad Santa at least being funny. So yeah, between those two, I mean, you're going to be let You've down. You've got a somewhat good film. Yeah, well, you know, we have good, good weeks, we have bad weeks, we have yeah, weeks. Yeah, you're good. Next week though is interesting. Next <clears> week we've got some good stuff. We have indeed. So next week we've got. I've uh, already seen one of them. You, you well. have for a change. This yeah. is mad. I never I beat you to a punch. Never. <laughs> We've got opportunities to watch more as well. So next week, of course, we have Snowden, which is Oliver Stone's returning, and your boy Cage is in it. My boy Cage is in it. Yep. Yeah. Along with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Zach Kinto, uh, Reese Siffins, I believe. Reese Siffins, Shailene Woodley's in Shailene it. Shailene and her Woodley's. And her Woodley's. Um, so what else we've got? Oh, we've got Sully, uh, the uh, Tom, the Tom Hanks, Captain Hanks. Yeah, that that Captain is a Hanks. film I have seen. Because we all love it. We always love it when Hanks plays a captain, because he does it so well. He is a captain. This is his third now. This is his third captain. captain. Um, We've also got Moana, which is uh, a Disney animated movie featuring The Rock. When is that The Rock singing... The Rock singing songs written by, Lan- by Lin-Manuel Miranda. You're in so. heaven, aren't you, for this? I, you really I am. Are. I truly, truly am. Okay. We've also got The Coming War on China, latest documentary from Dartmouth Films. Uh, That's we've- a Donald Trump. <laughs> it's not a Donald Trump one, strangely. Um, we've got At the Edge of Seventeen, starring Hayley Steinfeld, Steinfeld yeah, Woody um, Allison, yep. and Kira Sedgwick. Mm. Uh, we've got that to look forward to. We've also got Bleed for This, the Miles Teller boxing movie, because apparently everyone's forgotten about Creed by now. Um, <laughs> got, oh, you hate Miles Teller so much. What else do we have? I've seen Bleed for This. Believe me, I'm not even getting started yet. Um, <laughs> we've also got uh, Jet Trash, which is a British sort of black comedy. Uh, we've got the... Uh, Oh, who's the music document? Frank Zappa documentary. Uh, eat that eat question. Eat that question. We've got that, to, that. Yeah, we've got that to come next week. That's going to be quite interesting. And of course, this is one that has been around for ages and just for some reason has never been released in the UK. We have Spike Lee's Chirac to look forward to, in which Spike Lee takes an ancient Greek story and adapts it for Harlem. Because who else but Spike Lee would do that? Because it's a Spike Lee joint. Because it's a Spike Lee joint. I'm looking forward to being able to add the latest Spike Lee joint. Me too. But I'll give you that pleasure next week. But yes, we've got that. This is a pretty interesting lot to look forward to. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to see Moana. No, Moana's going to be... It's just going to be the music, isn't it? Yeah. Disney have just got it in the bag this year. They really have. 
In the meanwhile, this has been a Candy Store production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been, as always, Case Allen. And we'll be back next week. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Podcast extras then, Mr. Connor. Hey, I'm going to kick off Podcast Extras the way I kicked off the show with some Star Wars news. Well, Star Wars news is always fun. Go on, what you got for me? In fact, do you know what? Because you've been such a good boy, I'm going to give you two pieces of Star Wars news. <laughs> so, you mean I get a bog off on this one? Yeah, that's nice. it. It's not going to be Han Solo. It's going to be Han, Han Duo. Han Duo. It doesn't have the same ring work. to it, does it? It didn't work. In fact, I'm not even going to begin with that's Han like, Solo that's like, his, that's like his less stable brother. That's it. <laughs> oh, that'd be a great spin-off. <laughs> His less stable brother, who's played by like you know Jonah Hill, <laughs> in full War Dogs mode. <laughs> oh man, Jonah yeah, Hill in War this. Dogs mode turns up in the Han Solo yeah, costume. Yeah, he's, he's, he's all dressed yeah. like Han Solo. He's got two blasters, and he's like, "Yo, I'm Han Duo," and yeah, and he's like, "Stop it!" Oh man, I'm watching War Dogs tonight. That's what I'm going to do with my. I evening. need to still need to see that. Yeah, I love that movie. I'm that's a, that's a Miles telephone you can somewhat tolerate. I know. I, I like it in spite of because he's such a non-entity in it that you just you, you don't really care. Yeah. It's, it's it's one of those that you you watching for Jonah Hill. But, That's uh, it. Yeah, I like Jonah Hill. I, like I, I like Jonah Hill very much. But anyway, the Star Wars news. Go so for this it. is actually pretty big when you think about mm-hmm. it. Go on. So uh, we got Rogue One to look forward to next mm-hmm. month, uh, but a matter of weeks away. Um, it's going to be the first Star Wars movie not to have the opening crawl. Uh, apparently, they still don't know about this. This is I, I did read this because really? Kath- Kathleen Kennedy is. She said it's friendly. more than likely it won't, but they've still not made a decision. Oh, this. <sighs> Just finish it. You've got less than three weeks. I know. Just have you, have you booked it. your tickets the other way? Because the tickets went on sale at midnight the other night. I saw that they did. Um, not not yet. I know where I'm seeing it. Mm-hmm. But where are you seeing it, Adam Trust? I'm seeing it at my local Cineworld. Are you seeing it at Cineworld? I'm at, say, Odeon. You, I'm seeing it at my Odeon. Are, are you going I'm not Odeon? going to Cineworld. Oh, okay. Because I, I know you're not, you're not a fan of going to the, that particular establishment. So, uh, yeah, I, I am going to the Cineworld. Of course you are. Uh, do you know what? Do it. Go to it. It's going to be amazing in IMAX. They've got a fantastic IMAX screen there. Well, I'm it's not just, going to yeah. IMAX. Are you not? You're going no, to go to 40X. I'm not. I'm go- well, because bear in mind, this is me going as a civilian. I, I, I will be seeing it before opening day. Uh, I will see oh, about, of course. I'll be seeing about 48 hours before opening day. Um, 36, about 36 hours. Is that hours. what they did with Force Awakens? That's exactly what they did with Force Awakens. Yeah, we get it a couple of days early. Um, we are also we are also embargoed like you wouldn't believe. So are they going to send around a stormtrooper just to case? No, no, they, they embargo us so that we can see it early, but we cannot tell a soul. No. And and I think we're forbidden until opening day, until until the, usually like the 6 a.m. when it, of the day opens at midnight. Okay. So we get something like 18 hours to tell you what it's like. <laughs> but, it was uh, good. Enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so um, it might be the first then. But yeah. I, I, I don't see it having an opening call. To be honest, when I when I think about it, in my mind's eye, I, I don't see it. I think it's right. just going to say Star Wars story. Calvin and I did discuss this briefly, and the the weird part about excluding the opening call is it actually limits you in a strange way because the whole thing with the opening the opening call is kind of superfluous to the actual Star Wars episodes in one sense mm. because. You know, the story begins, you know where you are, that's fine. Yeah. That, that's just sequel syndrome. Like, we've always got that, we need to know where the characters are, and to be fair, they can tell us that in the film. The problem with the Star Wars story uh, installments not having an opening crawl is, they're taking place at different points in the timeline. So you kind of need to know, going into the story, where you are, continuity-wise. Yeah. So you need some sort of opening crawl. I think they will do it in a different form. 
I think there'll be something, maybe it's just a flat on-screen title card kind of thing. Maybe it'll be going down. It may, maybe. Uh, but they do need to... Go sideways. They need to find a way to basically tell your audience this is taking place a couple of days before Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan rock up to the joint. Yeah, I, I have no doubt that that will happen. Yeah. But there I don't, I don't think there's going to be a full call. No, I don't know. There's, I think there will be something. It's whether it begins with that music. Yeah, that is and interesting. And if it also begins with that blue text as well, mm. more importantly. But uh, my other piece of Star Wars news. Go on. This is slightly smaller, but Go pretty on. fun as well. So, um, your lady, uh, Miss Kathleen Kennedy, mm-hmm. she has said that Han Solo Star Wars spin-off film is going to have like a heist or western vibe. I can believe that. I can totally believe that. Do you know my only my only concern with them going down that road with it is... What's that? Are we not going to veer now into Firefly territory? A little bit. I yeah. wonder that, because there was... Now, Firefly obviously owed a huge debt. Firefly slash Serenity obviously owed a huge debt to Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon. When Star Wars decides to go and do that same kind of thing, the question is, are we now arcing back? So the parody has now become the inspiration. Not parody, the, this, the homage has now become the inspiration. It's a very weird conundrum to have. Mm. I mean, it's not the worst problem in the world to have. Absolutely not. Yeah, I can go with that. And I, would, I do like the idea of seeing Han Solo in full swaggering Mal Reynolds mode. Absolutely. But I can think of far worse things to enjoy than that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Such things as uh, a sequel to Wedding Crashes. Oh, yes. Well, this was an interesting one, because I remember this came up... The only reason we know about this is because Isla Fisher dropped it on a chat show. Yeah, I mean, she wasn't sure if she was supposed to, and she doesn't even know whether it is a thing, but... Apparently it is. She saw uh, Vince Vaughn at a party, they bumped into each other, yeah. reminiscent, and he was like, hey, keep schedule free, we're going to make a Wedding Crash a sequel. That's apparently how Vince Vaughn approaches women at parties. I'm doing a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> no, no um, Yeah, I... I like Wedding Crashes. There was a rumour years ago... I don't know if I need a sequel. I don't know if you you knew this one a while, but there was a rumour years ago that Daniel Craig was going to star in a sequel to The Wedding Crashes. Oh, I would have... Exactly. He was going to star (laughs) as the ultimate Wedding Crasher, and that he would challenge the position of the other two. That's cool. And, okay, not the worst idea, I can just see that as a premise, even if it's not with Daniel Craig. Well, it feels like a bit of a Zoolander-style, unnecessarily milked sequel idea. Apparently, there is now a screenplay that's been turned in this week. Their writers right. have turned in the screenplay. However, right. New Line have yet to secure, have yet to get a contract to Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson, or David Dobkin. So, uh, we shall see what happens. We shall see with that. But, uh, I don't... It's not something I think there needs to be a sequel to. It's oh, like God, no. It's like dodgeball. No. Did we not say all we needed to say with the first movie? Yeah. Must we go Hawaiian? <laughs> Must we go Must tropical? We go <laughs> Must we go tropical? <laughs> but we are going to go tropical with uh, Moana. So we were talking about this next Yes. Week. I'm so looking forward to that. I, I really am. Oh, I cannot wait. It's, I've, I've not listened to any of the songs as well yet. No, I I've, haven't. I'm keeping it. It's, I, it is yeah. all, it's all online. It's all on Spotify. Well, I, I like the, that. The, with the, the Disney films, I like to sit it out until I see the film. Yeah. I'm sure um, as soon as I finish it, I'll be on Spotify in, in the car, in the car ride home. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I managed to avoid all the, the pre-release music on Frozen, except for having been shown Let It Go at a Disney trade event. To which you were but, thinking, this is the song we're here for the next three years. No, quite fair. I don't know if we ever told you this. Um, the manager and a mutual friend of ours, the manager of our local world of Sydney, mm. our mutual friend, Mr. Meeker, was with mm. me at said trade event, and we were shown a presentation on Frozen. And this was about two years before it opened. It was about a year before it opened. And we were shown the Let It Go sequence. And quite, I remember saying to him on the way out, the way out of the building, we were in Manchester, I think, at the mm. time. I remember saying to him, 
I think they've uh, I think they've overestimated what people will and won't take as regards musicals in this day and age. Eat I don't your think words, I don't uh, think it'll eat work. Your words. And he did remind me of this because I saw for I think I wound up seeing the finished film about a month before it opened. And I yeah. remember like going to running into him saying, "Listen, I uh, I saw Frozen and um, it's fantastic, and it might be my favourite Disney film, and I feel really bad about it." And he's like, <laughs> "Well, the sound of the other shoe." Yeah. So he has never stopped reminding me about that. But he does give me credit for having for eating my own words, as it were. As long as you do that, as long as you are more than willing to hmm. eat crow about it, that's cool. And, that's fine. Uh, it, you know, Let It Go is the only Frozen song that is on my playlist. So yeah, I'm not ashamed to admit that at all. I am sure that is a false report. No, no, the because only song... Because when, when Zootopia was out, all I heard... Was that Shakira's song? Oh, no, no, I don't mean the only Disney film. I mean the only song from Frozen on oh, my playlist. Oh, the only one from Frozen. The only one from Frozen. I remember the only... Oh, yeah. You've got, got an entire Disney playlist. Yeah, I've got Try Everything on there. You've got to have Try Everything. I've also got Immortals from Big Hero 6, because, you know, Fallout Boy Immortals, why not? And uh, On Top of the World... Love that film. Diptical uh, like that song. Did you not like that song? I don't like Fallout Boy. Are, are you not into FOB? No? Do I look like I like FOB? No, you don't look like you like fun things. That's true. <laughs> Fallout Boy. Now, right, I'm going to get back to Moose. You've got me so tangentially... Tangentially gone. Go on. What have we got? <laughs> okay, so it's not even that big news. I just thought it was pretty interesting. So, yeah. like Zootopia, yeah. it had a name change. Um, in mm. certain parts of the world, Moana is also going to have a name change. It's going to be called Oceana. Isn't this because in, uh, there is an in Italian Italy. Italian porn star named Moana? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if it's, it's pronounced, pronounced the same way. I know. pronounced a different way. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's going to be called Oceana, which amuses me no end because there is a less than reputable uh, chain of clubs called Oceana, <laughs> which is not its not the best thing you want to be associated with. Oh, I remember dancing to R. Kelly in a Oceana once, but never mind. Um, which song? Remix to, to, to it, Remix to Ignition, yeah, yeah. yeah. We are talking like a decade and a bit ago. But Hot and fresh in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, incidentally, uh, I, I'm just going to ask you about this because I'm not sure. What was the controversy surrounding the rock? Something about the depiction of the rock in Moana? Right, it wasn't... It wasn't necessarily the rock, it's, it's his character. His character is, is, is it the physical Maui. look of the character? Is it's it not even the physical... There was a, no, I know there was I guess, a controversy. I guess in a way. It kind of started when the first wave of like uh, uh, costumes for kids and like uh, film tie-in merchandising came out, where, yes, he was a little bit larger, and it was his tattoos as well. And yeah. there was a particular suit they'd made for boys. For Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was like a play suit kind of thing. You step in and you're like a little bit larger and muscly, and you've got these tattoos. And why is that offensive? I have that with Iron Man. Yeah, but Disney got some heat about it because why? Because people accused them of misappropriating uh, the culture, the Hawaiian and Polynesian culture. Oh. I was going to say, because if you it. gave me a suit that you, was designed... You, you, can't, you can't really say that for Iron Man, can you? Well, no, but if you gave me a suit that, you know, you put a put on and had the fake muscles and it had yeah. the rocks tattoos on it, I would I, I would not only not consider that racially inappropriate, I would consider that awesome and wear it every day. Yeah, I would consider it a magic suit. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. But no, it, it did indeed uh, receive some heat, but I don't think it's going to knock the film's performance. No. And critically... I mean, it's we're talking like Zootopia. We're talking Frozen. There have been screenings already. I know that there, there actually have been screenings, and uh, it seems to have gone down pretty well from what I've seen. Yeah, in, like know, it's it's been it's been nothing less than four and five stars. Like, yeah, it seems to be across, across the board. board. And, and do you know do you know what I think is the reason why mm. the directors 
Yeah, who are, who's directing this one now? I forget. Uh, Ron Clements and John Musker. But I, I know I don't know the names. I know they've done something that's that's huge. What is it? Okay, so they did uh, Little Mermaid. Oh, okay. They did the Aladdin. They, I believe, they did Hercules. And I will fight for this film to my dying breath. Go they on. also did Treasure Planet. Oh, okay. I don't really remember Treasure Planet, if I'm honest. It's Treasure Island in space. Uh, okay. But uh, do you know what my favourite unappreciated uh, animated film is of all time? Not not just Disney, just no, just just unappreciated. Film. Should should have been huge, wasn't, and act and actually caused the downfall of an animation studio. So all dogs go to heaven. No, it was Titan AE with Matt Damon. Oh right, Matt Damon and Bill Pullman in space. Yeah, that's all right, actually. Yeah, I liked it. And also, you know, it. had a great soundtrack in terms of the marketing, and uh, it was good. Over my head by Lit and <laughs> Higher by Creed. I mean, who doesn't want to listen to Higher by Creed over Me. a movie trailer? Me. <laughs> How dare you! One of my favourite things in the first Bad Neighbours movie is when the uh, the guys are drunk and chanting, and they just yeah. start chanting the lyrics to Higher for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, that well, is pretty good. Yeah, that is just a good moment. Have you seen that episode of Celebrity Deathmatch, where it is Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam yeah. versus Scott Stapp from No, Creed? I have not seen that. Because they essentially sound the same, hmm? but it's just it's Eddie Vedder being like, give me back my voice, <laughs> and Scott Stapp being like, it's my voice too. It always reminds me of that moment in the first Ted movie, Movie in which uh, during the drunken party montage, Ted yeah. starts doing karaoke. So as you can sing any song from the nineties using entirely vowels. Essentially, okay. One final piece of news. I'm gonna keep it in the, the House of Mouse. And okay. Do a film view. Uh, Mark Foster. So he yeah. directed Ooh, yes, yeah. World War Z and Quantum of Solace. And Quantum there? of Solace, which I don't like. Conundrum of Mobilitude. <laughs> Far better title. Yeah, if you're just going to take two random words and just slap them together, just go with conundrum morbiditude. Don't, don't bother that with works. Quantum of Solace. It had no relevance whatsoever. Okay, so given those two films, what Disney property would you put into? Uh, ooh, this is an interesting one. Mm. Uh, the Rescuers. <sighs> no, it's I'm, not. I'm waiting for that live action adaptation. That's mine. I'm waiting for... <laughs> The Game of Thrones-inspired Black Cauldron. That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> and you know that's going to happen. Oh, it's totally going to happen. No, um, absolutely gonna he happen. has been tapped to direct uh, Winnie the Pooh. Oh, yes, I've heard this one. This is going yeah. to be like an Alice in Wonderland-style semi-sequel, though, isn't it? Because it's going to be an adult Christopher Robin. It is. So the movie's actually called Christopher, Christopher Robin. Christopher Robin, it is. But- so, I, yeah, this this is the one that, uh, that Alex Ross Perry was also attached to. Um, Alex Ross Perry has uh, written it. Okay. And uh, Mark Foster's going to be fine, I suppose. It. I think this might be a little too artsy for its own good, given the calibre of talent involved. I mean, just because of Alex Ross Perry, that's what you're thinking of. But also Mark Foster. Um, I mean, oh, you yeah, have a guy with a quantum of solace. That just screams art house. Well, it's not. wasn't really an entertaining film, was it? Let's be honest. Yeah, but it's hardly a Jim Jarmusch film, isn't well, it? Well, that's true. Oh, I, I would watch the sh- out of a Jim Jarmusch directed Winnie the Pooh film. <laughs> I would as well. <laughs> it could just be Tigger just unable to bounce and he can't figure out why. Tigger wondering about and uh, then Eeyore the would be happy. of life. Yeah. <laughs> no, Eeyore would be unhappy, but they'd all envy his uh, envy his confidence in being unhappy <laughs> yeah. and, and want to learn his secrets. His like, secret would be like, my secret is that I am one with my being, so I be unhappy. Yeah. yeah. Pooh is unhappy because he can't find honey. <laughs> Yeah. 
That's it. It would be a movie about Piglet. Is- Piglet is dead. <laughs> Piglet ponders about whether or not he's food, or yeah. you know why why Pooh hasn't eaten him at any point. And yep. then you have Rue and Kanga dealing with their separation anxiety and their codependency. Make that film. I, Make I mean, that film. Jim Jarmusch's Pooh needs to happen. <laughs> I can just imagine it now. Uh, Pooh, a Jim Charmouche movie. It's a black and white poster with just Winnie looking sullen from in, you know, in, pro, in profile. I'm just thinking of a poster for Dead Man when it's, it's Johnny Depp <laughs> with the hat and he's, he's in a boat. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know it would be called Pooh. It would know? be called Pooh. It really would. <laughs> anyway, tell me about a film, Van. Right, okay. So what do you want to do first? you want to do Magnus or you want to do I Am Bolt? Both I want to do uh, I Am Bolt. I Am Bolt. Okay, so... Spoiler alert. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this pose for the entire I, I think you should, yeah. That's the Bolt, bolt symbol. Um, yeah. Right, so this is obviously the Usain I, Bolt I documentary. I can't hold that up. I, I can't do it for more than a second. It just it takes too much out of my, my, uh, my what do you call it? Uh, isometrics, that's what it is. It's called Isometri- isometrics, yeah. yes. It takes too much out of me doing isometrics for that long. Um, Usain Bolt documentary. This is really standard documentary stuff. I mean, it's not. you don't really get much of a backstory in this one. It opens like a PS2 game. And it turns out, it's only when you get to the end credits you realise the opening of it has been specially designed by Naz. Ah. Yeah, so it's actually got like a hip-hop track about Usain Bolt at the very That's beginning cool. with quick-cut montages. People are, you know, little, little snippets of talking heads and their words are flowing across the screen. Slow-mo of Usain Bolt racing towards camera. And then... Flash, PS2, MI2 style, I am Bolt. And you're like, okay, cool. I'm that on, sounds I'm badass. on board with this, so uh, here's a clip. There's this kid. They say he's too tall to be a sprinter. But he runs. They say he party too much. But while they're talking, he's running. Setbacks, he's been there. Come last in his first big race. But he keeps on running. Running till he breaks the world record. And I'm not done yet. I don't think limits. Neither should you. So this takes place... I mean, although there's a little bit of backstory afforded him, we do talk to his parents, we see his home in Jamaica, etc. Um, the majority of this fixates on a period from the 2008 Olympics to now, and really about that, about his, his world record, about getting, about managing the hat-trick for the medals, etc. Um, now, the, the weird thing is, and the film does at one point, because there's a certain line that you are waiting for in this in this film, and you do get it, and that is the most important sportsman since Muhammad Ali. And you'll have heard that quote before, we all have, and it, you do get it. And the film makes a very solid re- solid case for, yes, he is, and it talks about his influence, and it talks about what he means. He himself is an entertaining figure, in a way that, as the movie says, we haven't seen since Muhammad Ali. It's nice to have an entertaining sportsman who knows his place in history, etc. He knows his audience as well. He and does. he knows he has an audience, because that's, yeah. That's, that's it. There is... Um, there's, I would say it's not that there's a there is a slight lack of candid stuff. I, I will say that there's. I mean, there is a moment in which, if this were anyone else, you would have assumed he was drunk or high. Um, <laughs> but there's just there is a moment in which he's quite clearly filmed it on the front of it, front camera, front facing camera of his uh, of his phone, in which he's just bored one night, dancing around his hotel room, singing into his FaceTime camera, uh, "Bump and Grind" by R. Kelly, <laughs> and it also becomes. Hey, I don't see uh, nothing wrong 
with a little bump and grind. I don't know. No, I don't see nothing wrong either. But uh, <laughs> and it is, it's, it's moments like that that are quite funny. You kind of wish there was more of it. I don't think, although we are told academically, I think even by himself about his, about himself as a man, <clears throat> I don't think there's enough insight. There's not enough, for instance, archival footage, and not not a lot of candid footage, not a lot of personal stuff in there. It is very much a sanctioned doc. Very much a sort of above the line doc. Mm. There's, I would I would say I didn't really get much of an impression of the man. I got an impression of him as a figure. Okay. And the thing is, he is likable enough as a figure that it works. I, I can't particularly object. They, it works. I like him about as much as I did going in. I think he is a great inspirational man. We're going to have this again in a few minutes with the next review. But uh, yeah, I liked it. And it's it's not a film I would have gone out and willingly paid money to see. I mean, yeah. in actuality, this is going to video on demand the same day that it's in cinemas. Right. Okay. So if you're a Virgin Media subscriber, for instance, you actually go on your TV guide and buy it to watch there mm. or rent it or whatever you do. You, know, you go on the EPG and press a button. You get a thing. You get a thing and you input your code and it. I think it charges you next month or whatever and you watch the film and yeah. Yeah, so so you watch it, you may not like it, and they'll be taking money from you anyway. <laughs> exactly, Branson. <laughs> but I didn't mind it. You know, I just thought, hey, you know, I kind of liked him to begin with. I mean, then there's obviously there's the requisite talking heads, and there. Pele turns up, Sebco, oh, right. yeah, uh, Sebco, Sabri- uh, Serena Williams. I almost called her Sabrina Williams. Uh, Serena Williams. <laughs> That's a crossover. <laughs> Sabrina Williams, the, <laughs> the magic tennis, the tennis player. Witch. <laughs> Wimbledon witch. Wimbledon witch. That's what you call oh it. man, that works. But that's uh, uh, Right, well, I, cool. I got some news about Adam McKay. Oh yes, I this know. This news is great. This was good news. Yeah, because the last thing he did uh, was uh, a film called The Big Short, which I loved. We both loved. Did we put that in the top ten of the year? I can't remember. <sighs> I think that we did. Did it not open till January? Am I am I remembering that right? Oh, could it be? I'm sure we. Put oh it. man, please tell me it didn't open till January. In which case, it can go in the top ten for Would this year. Fantastic. Oh, actually, yeah. I I said I'd tell you about a film I saw. Let oh, me yeah. just do that really quick. Go on. What did you see? I saw a film called Don't Think Twice. Don't think twice. I what don't think it's sad. One? I think it's had a UK uh, release. Which yet. ones don't think twice? Okay, so it's a film by uh, Mike uh, Babigula, who is a standard comedian. Oh, right before. is this the improv yeah, one? This is an improv one. Keegan Michael oh. Key, uh, Julian Jacobs, uh, Chris Gafford. Yes. Yeah, uh, set in New York. It's basically about a troupe of improv uh, comics. Yeah, we saw a trailer for this about three months ago, didn't we? Uh, quite a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really great. It's. It's 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 in my my top films of the year. Absolutely, I just I don't know. But it was something about the connection that the characters had and the style that Mike Babigula had directed them. Mm, I'm intrigued. It. I'm intrigued by it. Yeah, so. and it was nice to see Keegan Michael Key do something different. Like he's not too widely different because a lot of it is just improv stand up, and you see him do a Barack Obama impression, which is just he's got on. a mockumentary coming up as well. Uh, yeah. One that stars the Reverse Flash. And oh. yeah, one that stars Eobard Thorne, and it's about the teacher of the year or something. And Keegan Michael Key's that is, I think, is the principal. Oh, and didn't that come out a while ago? I passed, I don't know. It's not come out in the UK because I'm I not sure. I should look, right, look into that. But uh, so, go on, what were we saying right. about Adam McKay? Adam McKay is doing... yeah. So he's doing a oh, biopic yeah. about Dick Cheney. Yes. Former Veep. Oh, man. Dick Cheney. So, how long before we're calling Richard Dreyfus back? <laughs> it's not... I'm, I'm sure that he's on the phone. Well, Dreyfus he... did play him in, in W. Yeah, he did. It's a pretty good effect. Pretty, pretty good result. And, yeah. you know, some people have form about playing the same people again and again, the same politicians again and again. <laughs> Michael Sheen Michael is Sheen. not one of them. <laughs> Looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... Uh, I think yeah. it's interesting. So it's That'd not got cool. a title, I don't think. It's not got a title as of yet. I do know Brad Pitt is producing it. 
Yeah. Brad Pitt is producing because Brad Pitt was also a producer on The Big Shorts, as well as He's also starring. doing it. He's also be, uh, being produced through uh, the Gary Sanchez banner as well, which is Adam McKay's yeah. own banner with Will Ferrell. Yes. So, and that's, yeah, it's a really interesting little sort of pool so you, of talent going there, so, isn't there? So you just get Will Ferrell to be W again. Oh, man. Oh, man, just imagine it. That's how you just do. Just imagine it. I actually would genuinely... I, I really wanted to like Oliver Stone's W. I really yeah. did. I was really looking forward to that film. And like, just, you think Josh Brolin's going to be great in it, and yeah. he's pretty good, but... The film just let me down. Yeah, so there's, there's that, but I, th- I think that was pretty, pretty good news. Let me talk about Magnus real quick, then, yeah. um, which is a v- really quick one, because it's a very dry doc. This is a documentary about Magnus Carlsen, who is the, uh, the young... I think he's the third youngest chess grandmaster in history. Okay. And... I, d- I don't know where to go with this one, to be honest. Uh, Sebastian Rhee, I believe, does this, uh, writes and directs this one. It's a very difficult documentary to access because you've got... Uh, Magnus himself is a very difficult subject. I mean, on a personal level, he's not a very accessible guy. Mm. Um, the film shies away from... We, we put, just to give you a rough idea, this starts shows you him as a young boy. He says, OK, well, you know, when he was about four years old, we were trying to find out what he liked, and he wasn't really... You know, it didn't really click with other people, and he kind of kept to himself, and he only wanted to do complex mathematical things, and then we discovered chess. <laughs> and from there, you leap to, he is a professional chess player. And it's a, it's, a, it's a hell of a leap, and the film constantly takes these leaps from, oh, he's a chess player at this event, and now he's a chess player at this event, but it's eight years later, and he's now an adult. And the film really doesn't stop in between. I mean, there are so many leaps and bounds taken with the, with the chronology of it that you do feel like they've left an awful lot out. Mm. You feel like, for instance, given the way he is, I'm sort of thinking, well, he's, he's a hyper-intelligent young man. There's a brilliant moment in it, actually, in which you, we are shown him at Harvard University with his back turned to eight different world, uh, world-class chess players. He is blindfolded, and he has to play eight games simultaneously from memory. What? And he beats them all. That's pretty great. <laughs> at no, for the record, at no point does the word autism come up, because mm. I genuinely thought at some point that was going to be a factor that someone was going to ask, is he on the spectrum? I, I, wondered, I wondered about that. It's something I genuinely wanted to know. Was he at, a, was he at the end of the spectrum of autism? I, I was curious about it because of the way his mind worked. But it doesn't go there. It doesn't give you an idea as to what kind of guy he is at all, except for the fact he gets the face on when he loses. And at the end of it all, you come away thinking, well, that was 80 minutes that realistically could have been 40 on BBC Four, and frankly, the only people that would have watched would have watched it were the people who already knew who the hell Magnus Carlsen actually was. Mm. And, you know, I, it just didn't have any heart or insight. And the only thing I took away from it that I didn't know before was I now know something about how chess players actually prepare for their matches, which is not something I ever would have considered, which is to say they use computer algorithms to actually analyse their opponent's former matches and then predict what they would do in a certain scenario. And it's incredibly complex and interesting. Yeah. I would have liked more of that, except for the 90-second mention it gets. But, yeah. So, I was kind of let okay. down by that. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, I wanted more from it. Also, who names their son Magnus and doesn't expect him to either become a billionaire or a supervillain? Really? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that kid is just doomed to let their parents down. <laughs> just, I am glad he became a chess grandmaster, because if your name is Magnus, you have to be something iconic. Yeah, you can't be like an assistant manager at, like, yeah. Curry's. Yeah, that's it. You know, you, yeah. you, you're never getting served at Greg's by a guy named Magnus. It's not happening. No. Yeah, that's totally, that's totally the case. There is never going to be a cinema usher named Magnus. 
But yeah, there was a cinema show named Case. <laughs> there was. <laughs> don't be silly. We I both don't live know, up to my potential. We both know that modern multiplexers do not know what Usher is. Because yeah, it is a R&B superstar, isn't it? <laughs> there, is, there is another Usher, isn't there? There's, now, there's another young man named Usher. No, there is only one Usher. No, like there Seal. is. There is another young man named Usher. Usher. No, I'm, I'm telling you. Are you just getting Usher confused with Usher's other name, which is his full name, which is Usher Raymond the Fourth? Oh no! There is the young actor who who plays Will Smith's the late Will Smith's son in Independence Day Resurrection. Or sorry, Independence Day Resurgence. Is it Reser- Retaliation? Uh, Independence Independence Day R. Independence Day R. ID yeah. four. Independence R. Day Regurgitation. The young man who plays the son, the now grown up son. His surname is Usher. Yeah. To which I just ask, how is he not going through life having everyone just call him Usher? Usher, Usher. <laughs> what? Uh, Jesse T. Usher. Jesse T. Usher. Name. There you go. See, and, and no one's calling him Jesse. You see, everyone's calling him Usher. God, they've got to be. Oh, at the very least, Jusher. Oh, Jusher. Does that mean yeah. if there's a Gordon Usher, then people are calling him Gusher? Oh, man. Or a Terence Usher. Tusher. Tusher. Or, or if there's one who just happens to drink a lot and his name's Larry. Lusher. <laughs> We've gone terribly off piece. We really have. Should we call it a night? I think we should call it a night, on which case, here it is. Your moment of cage. This is unbelievable. You're unbelievable. I want to get you in that room, tear the bedspread off. Yahoo! Can I get a room? 